Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. You're listening to 3CR. We really are in unprecedented times and 3CR, as your local community broadcaster, is trying to do our part to minimise the spread of the coronavirus throughout the community. At the front of our minds is protecting the most marginalised and vulnerable, but we are still here. And we'll continue broadcasting 24 hours a day with radical alternative content throughout this period, but things will sound a bit different. Some programmers will present their shows on the phone and we'll be finding creative ways to bring you our regular programming. So stay tuned, stay safe and be kind to each other. Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. Hi, I'm Bill. Each week on the Living Free Show, we highlight one of the 12-step programs that assists recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery experience and show us that shared stories save lives. This week, we'll be talking about um, recovering from the effects of drugs and how support from self-help groups like Narcotics Anonymous can make a real difference. Uh, well, today we've got um, Jimmy and Julian. Okay, so um, they're in the studio this afternoon and they're going to share their experience of being in Narcotics Anonymous and how that's helped them with their drug addiction. So first of all, Jimmy, yes. would you like to give us a rundown of how you how you became an addict? And That's an interesting question, I suppose. Um you know, from an early age, um, I was like really into basketball cards, collecting basketball cards, obsessed about basketball cards, you know, and um, to the point where like I'd be stealing money out of um, my mum's till, like she had a shop at, uh, in St Kilda called Junkaruchi, and um, I'd steal money from the till to go buy a pack of basketball cards and then um, be constantly going to mates' places to trade them and like swapping them and even stealing them off people and stuff and that that right there is like my addiction, like, but it's just not with drugs, you know. It's an addiction to basketball cards, I suppose, and um, and that played over onto many things that before my addiction, and um, and then finally led into drug addiction. So I used my drug addiction the same way I'd played, you know, collected basketball cards. Um, so that's I suppose I don't know actually where it came from. I, I'm not sure um, where it come from, but I know that I had it at an early age. And um, yeah, and so my drug addiction was um, was very similar to the basketball cards, I suppose. Um, for ten years, I used and um, and um, and it progressively got worse over those t- period of ten years. Um, and so, what did you start with? Uh, I started with marijuana and alcohol, and um, and then moved on to things like you know speed and ice and eckies, and then um, and then heroin methadone and prescription pills right you've yeah. tried it all tried it all yeah. i've done it all yeah <laughs> right <laughs> okay uh so justin uh, sorry julian what's what was your experience how did you come to start using drugs um i started probably at a pretty young age um my father's interstate truck driver so it was sort of okay to have drugs and stuff like that in the house and i guess it was probably stemmed from him using drugs so i thought it was cool to do it um, so yeah, my drug addiction has lasted for about 19 years. Wow. 
and um, it's only the last six months that I've come into recovery. Wow. Yeah. So it, how's it feel? Um, pretty good. It was the first couple of months were pretty hard, but now my head's a lot clearer, and yeah, I feel a lot better. Things are starting to fall into place. My family's um, life's getting back together. Um, I've got some really good friendships in NA and in the rooms and stuff like that. So yeah, now it's getting a lot better. Right. Definitely. So, what sort of family have you got, and how did it affect them? Um, so it didn't really affect my father too much because obviously he was sort of doing the same. Um, but my mother was affected fairly hard. She um, so we actually had a a strange relationship for four years and then in the last few months we've sort of got back talking and catching up and stuff like that right so yeah yeah yeah. so yeah it's pretty hard i imagine trying to live with an addict in the family so what was the what sort of things were you doing that were causing grief um pretty much uh i isolated from my mum um just because i didn't want to see i didn't want her to see me off my face so I isolated off from her, but I used to keep in contact with my dad fairly often. Um, also, all the the cops and all the um, drug chaos, I guess, if you want to call it like that, I was just too much for my mum to deal with. Yeah, right. Mm. So were you working at the time? Uh, yes, I worked for most of my drug addiction. And then in the last few years, I um, decided to start selling it and I... Um, yeah, sort of progressed into that, so pretty full on. Right, okay. So what about you, Jimmy? Were you working while you were taking? No, I never worked a day in my life, really. Um, um, I did, oh, no, I didn't. I did wash dishes for one night um, at a <laughs> hotel in Lawn called the Pacific Hotel. Um, I do remember that, and I had nearly had a, nearly had a punch on with the chef. Uh, like it was hard for me to take orders to become like humble, you know, when I'm in drug addiction, I just think I know everything. Um, anyway, so I never worked. Um, I never, I dropped out of school early and never had any qualifications. Um, I didn't have any relationships that were not drug based. Um, I, um, in the end I didn't have any money. So like basically it took everything from me and I had nothing to show for it. Like literally nothing, you know? Um, yeah, it was fun. Right. Yeah. So how about you, um, Justin? What was your... Julian. Sorry. Man. <laughs> I've got Justin on the brain, haven't I? Justin on the brain. So, so how about you, Julian? What What was your experience right coming to the end before you got into NA? Um, my experience was pretty hectic. Um, lots of cops uh, raiding the house. Lots of um, just... Uh, full-on drug addict behaviour from a lot of people that I associated with. Um, it was just, yeah, it was pretty hectic. Um, as in 24 hours a day, seven days a week, hectic. Um, then it's, yeah, once it was just full-on, I had the uh, organised crime squad come and visit me and that's when I decided to change my ways. Right, so that was the trigger? That was the trigger to change, yeah. Right. Which still took me about another month or so before I could wean myself down enough to uh, start going to a rehab or anything like that. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so how about you, Jimmy? What was the, what was the trigger to bring you into recovery? Um, well, um, had some pretty nasty stuff happen with uh, my dad um, and... Um, 
basically I'll, that kind of worked me up and um, you know you hit a rock bottom and um, um, like a rock bottom is a place of pain you know and um, and when you experience enough of this pain it um, it kind of knocks you out of denial you know it's, there's no more hiding from it the truth you know because the truth is really painful so when the when you're exposed to that truth um, uh, you, you know there's no denying it so I suppose that that place that I come to, that last rock bottom, was the trigger for me to go um, into recovery. But I didn't go into recovery willingly, like or um, or with like a um, a like a positive mindset about recovery. Do you know what I mean? I came into recovery and was very negative and just thought it was all a big joke, you know, and thought like because because basically like there's a lot of there's a lot of things that they do in recovery and where I went into a rehab. Um, that um that seemed very um that seemed very like just basically stupid like little yeah. sayings and little things that like you know do the dishes you know what I mean like that to build your self esteem yeah. and things yeah. like that and you just think that's ridiculous you know what I mean um so it was really hard for me to get over that stuff you know and um and just kind of go okay well I'm just gonna do this stuff and see if it works you know so that's kind of was what happened for me in early recovery okay yeah. thanks yeah. um okay well we're gonna take a break. Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another and I think it's up to people to decide uh, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio 3CR. We are still fired up. And we're still talking about revolution. Uh, this is the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial, and 3CR on digital radio. Uh, are you interested in listening to one of our many podcasts? Then head to your preferred podcast platform or to 3cr.org.au forward slash living free. Uh, you'll also find details about the Living Free Show and how, how to contact us. Alternative, alternatively, you can just call us on 3CR on nine four one nine eight three seven seven. So we're going to be talking about um, coming into recovery and what that meant, how it went. Um, and so first off, I'll say, Jimmy, what, do you want to sort of talk about once you got over that um, what that hurdle of of all this seeming minutiae of little words and just slogans and stuff. Mm-hmm. So what was it about the, uh, I guess, the recovery that you found uh, or the recovery program that you went into that you found helpful and that you finally, I guess, grasped? Yeah, okay. Um, well, so, yeah, after all that stuff, like I suppose like having a, an attitude shift, you know, where my attitude shifted from this looking at like recovery is a negative thing and a boring thing and a, and a thing that people with just – you know that just want to want an average life do because I was always after excitement and drama and like high high a high level of tension you know that kind of life that's the kind of life that I lived and I loved 
And um, and it took me a while to calm down from that and just to come to grips with reality about, you know, life's not just that, you know, like there's a peaceful side of life too and, you know, like there's a balance. And um, um, once I come to grips with that, I was able to have that shift and see, you know, recovery as a positive thing because um, it provided a lot of that kind of mellow life, that chill life, that peaceful life, you know, and... Um, um, I started to like that. Just I liked the structure. I liked having structure and security in my life. So that that's what that provided for me, you know. And um, um, yeah, I suppose um, I started to build my self esteem. I did those slogans that we we're talking about, you know. I just started to do them and get over myself. And um, I started to build my self esteem. And when I it built to a certain degree, I suppose that's when the attitude shift happened. And I actually like wanted to get clean for myself because I was in there because of court. I had nowhere to live. I had no money. Um, I had no, I basically had no contact with my family. Um, I basically like, I had, yeah, I had, I had nothing really. No qualifications, no chance of getting any jobs um, and just a big drug habit. So um, um, once I got in there and got that self-esteem and, and, and started to want to do it for myself, not because of all those reasons I just mentioned, um, um, and I wanted a better life for myself, that's when start, stuff started to happen, you know. Yeah. And it happened at the start of my perspective changed the way I viewed the world, you know, and um, and that from that perspective, um, everything's taken place around that. So it's yeah. been been massive yeah. since then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the change of attitude is the big thing. It's when you realise that you that you're the problem. It's yeah. not someone else's fault that you're like this, that things start to change because then you can sort of see, well, what do I need to do to get it under control? And, um, yeah. So, Julian, what was your experience coming into, I guess, um, detox and recovery? Okay. Um, my, well, I really went to well, into detox and recovery just because I'm um, trying to get a lesser sentence on my charges. Um after about two weeks in there, something shifted in my brain, and then I decided I wanted to do it for myself. I think it was sort of probably getting a clear head and a bit of clear thinking. So, and then yeah, so it's changed, and now I'm just trying to stay clean for myself. I've got a little daughter who's uh, eight months old, and so I want to be clean for her as well. Um, and yeah, so it's easy after you sort of get past the first four or five months. I feel it gets a bit easier. Because the old ways of thinking with your drug usage and all that sort of stuff sort of disappear, I, I found. Um, but yeah, so I feel a bit lot better than I did before. Yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so part of um, self help groups and particularly twelve step work is looking at looking at yourself and and understanding ab- about why I've got all these resentments against the against the world and. Um, and all the fears as well, and all the things that sort of drive you. So, Jimmy, what did you when you were looking at doing your step four and stuff? What were the sorts of things that came up for you about the way you looked at the world? Mm, okay. Um, well, um, step four. Okay, that's interesting because that's very similar to like um, um, being aware that you have an ego, you know, or a yep. sense of self. Um, because I suppose like, you live your whole life and people, you know, like it's not just addicts. It's like people live their whole life not knowing that what the narrative in their head and their perspective that they um, that they view the world through um, is actually like untrue. You know, people actually really believe that. And, um, and the thing is, is I believe that and it caused me a lot of trouble. Now, 
I was very it was very hard for me to let go of that stuff. Um, but to to do it in a in a in a formal process um, where you go through something like that. Um, and then and then see it for what it is. Actually, see how the way you view the world is actually um, not correct. Yeah, you know, and it's yep. and it's through a perspective that's based on your experience, and it all so your experience comes into play, and whatever your experience is, that's how you view the world today. You know, and so really, we're just a slave to our experience. We actually got no choice if we tr- trust our um, our sense of self, our egoic mind, or or the thoughts in your head. You know, so um, you're limited to actually. Well, you don't have any choice, and so the attachment to that belief is the um, the level of your disease. You know, the level of your insanity. Yeah. And um, where, whether you can hear that those thoughts in your head or those stories that they try to tell you about people, your beliefs on the world, or your morals or your values, to hear that stuff in your head and to go, okay, well, you know what, all that is is really is a thought, and kind of go, don't give it too much value. Don't don't actually attach yourself to it, and don't give yourself meaning through it. Um, I found that's the gold, you know, and that's what I, th- I think that's what that's like very similar to Buddhism, you know, so yeah. um, that's what I do, you know, um, today. So um, um, that's that process was um, was fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, Julian, you're relatively new. Yes, that's you know, correct. Six months, pretty, pretty new. Yep. So how are you sort of progressing through through the steps? What sort of things are you coming up against? Um, it really makes you know what sort of person you are, um, looking at yourself and, um, looking at the steps and what they ask you, it's, you're, you're taking a, a full inventory on yourself and your behaviors of your past, your present, and obviously probably your future as well. Um, it's a bit of a eye opener because sometimes you think, oh, I didn't act that bad in the situation when you real, and then being straight and everything, you realise, well, you did act pretty bad. Um, it's a very good self-awareness and self-help, I think, definitely. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, I think it's discovering my part in the problem. Definitely. And it's what could I have done differently, but I didn't. Exactly right. got me right. to that situation, yeah. So it's, it is a lot of self-realisation. So... Um, What's been the thing that's helped you the most in in the recovery process, Jimmy? What 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 sort of a standout? Um, well, that not believing your own thinking thing has helped the most um, in the way of like um, like so ha- okay, having feelings and realizing that okay, they're just feelings. You know, they're not actually they don't dominate the way that I act. You know, and um, and same as my thoughts, that kind of stuff has helped a lot. Um, but other than that, like my passions, chasing my passions and my dreams and stuff and, and, um, and getting work and making hip hop and, um, um, doing all that kind of stuff, you know, um, has uh, the connection. I think the main thing as well is the connection with people, you know, um, staying connected with people and, um, and just doing like, just doing normal stuff with them, but having that sense of connection while you do that stuff, you know, instead of being isolated or using with a bunch of people where you're not actually connected to them in any kind of spiritual form, you know, and, um, so I think that stuff's been massive, massive for me, you know, and, um, yeah, today, like I just do that, I do that same stuff and I, and I, and I'm constantly like trying, trying new ground um, that may be uncomfortable, but like it's it's actually growth for me. And um, see, the only thing, the only reason why like it feels uncomfortable is because I'm not used to it. Once I get used to doing it, everything becomes comfortable, it becomes second nature to me, you know. So yeah. 
um, I get that comfortability pretty quick. I got a good metaphor for my comfort my comfortability is that I relate it back to my um, my grandma's and my granddad's place. They've got like this um, this old house. It's a big house. It's in in Malvern. Um, it's it's an oldish house though, and the bathrooms are kind of really nice, but old nice, you know. Um, so whenever I have a shower there. Um, if I stay there the night or whatever, like I, I've done that a few times now, whenever I go into the shower, like I turn the cold tap and the hot tap, but the either the cold comes out and it's freezing and, I'm, and I get frostbite or I turn the hot and the hot comes out and I get burnt, yep. you know? So I'm trying to, and then like I have to turn one and the other and keep turning them and it's gone back and forth and back and forth. And you know what? I've had so many showers there because I've stayed there so many times that now I can jump into that shower and I know how much to turn that hot water and how much to turn that cold water to have the perfect temperature so I'm comfortable. So I've been through that stage of uncomfortability, you know, and I've suffered that frostbite and that third-degree burns from that yeah. shower. <laughs> and then finally now I'm quite comfortable, so I go in there. So so it's just an experience of life that I – repetitive behavior that I want to want to practice in something um, that has got me comfortable to kind of do in recovery, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, a couple of things that you raised. One was, you know, the fact that thoughts precede action, that that nothing just happens. So anything that I react to, I've had to think, yeah. think about a reaction. Yeah. And realizing that there's a lot of things, I've got a lot more choices today than I thought I had before. And it's about exercising that choice. And, and so I don't have to react to everything. I can, some things I don't have to do anything and it's okay. Whereas before, I always thought I had to react, and yeah. that's you know, and that's a change of thinking. Yeah. And the other one is about the um, life is sort of a bit of a seesaw. It used to be either up and down, and just the ability to move to the pivot point so that the ends are going up and down, but I'm not. You know, I'm on I'm level. Yeah. And uh, I can sort of see things going up and down, and I'm unaffected, and it's a really good feeling to be detached from all the things that are going on around us that's yeah. great yeah. yeah there's a little saying like that it's about a door so it says to you be the hinge on the door right yep. so you're the hinge on the door and the door's swinging open and wide open so like and the level of um our insanity or our disease or our our addiction or whatever um is the, is the further out to the towards the end of the door and that's how much you're swinging around you know and if you can yep. get to the center of the door uh, sorry to the edge of the door where the hinge is yeah that's the stable part isn't it exactly yeah. what you're saying yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Julian, what, what have you found that's really been helpful? Definitely the connection with other people, um, in the rooms and from the rehab that I went to, um, and staying that, keeping that connection as in going to the second halves, um, catching up on weekends, um, not just doing NA or AA, you know, we, we can do other things as well. Um, so yeah, definitely the connection with other people. Yeah, I think um, it's it's a program of living, but Definitely. yeah, you can't stay in the meetings all the time. You've got no. to get out there. You've got to live. Exactly. And so right. it is important to get yourself out there and to be part of part of the community again, to I guess re- reclaim the life that we used to have. That's the exactly right. And from the life I've had before, people always wanted something from you. Yeah. Um, within the rooms, nobody wants anything from you except for your friendship. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big thing. There's a big difference from the world that I come from. Yeah, no expectations. Exactly yeah. right, yeah. 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 yeah, We're all accepted, which is really great. Okay. G'day, this is Jacob from Friday Rave. 
If the week's politics have left you wondering whether it's you or the rest of the planet that's gone completely and utterly bonkers, join us at 5 o'clock each and every Friday for a Friday Rave here on 3CR, where we'll do our best to reassure you that it is actually you and us. A Friday Rave, bringing the 5 o'clock drinks debrief to you here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to 3CR. We're at this time we're bringing you slightly different programming than usual. But rest assured, we're still here, bringing you radical, alternative current affairs, music and community language programming. Stay tuned to 3CR. Okay, welcome back. My, my writing has been very negative um, over the journey. I would call it negative, but aggressive street hip-hop. Um, and like basically sharing my experience, you know, of when I was using, so you can't imagine that to be positive. Um, no. <laughs> and then, so I've come into recovery and I've actually decided, okay, well, let's make a few positive tracks and share like my last few years of recovery with everyone. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so you're listening to Living Free on 3CR on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. Um, so we're talking about, drug recovery from drug addiction um and i've got um, julian and jimmy with me and so jimmy so can you tell us what it's like now um you've been in recovery for a while um and how your life is different now than what it was um right well my life's um very different you know there's a transition that um that happens and um um like so for me i spent 10 years using drugs so that 10 years um i tried to find you know the best places to score the best people to use with um the best people to rot the best people to manipulate just the 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 to make that life the best of the best right to to make my using to to, to use as much as i could that was my goal um so i spent a long time building a network and then um coming into recovery Right, you have to leave all that stuff behind, right? Um, and so I didn't have, like I said before, I didn't have, you know, the relationships or, or a job or money or, you know, anything to bring an education or anything, anything to bring from that old life into the new life, right? Because, like, I suppose lots of people, when they use drugs, they also, you know, have some qualifications possibly they have some healthy relationships possibly or they have some money left over or or they have you know um family members that are still like on their side trying to help them through um um so they bring that stuff into recovery right um or 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 kids or, or work or whatever they bring they can bring whatever they want into their new life um only thing with that is bringing stuff from your old life into your new life that's actually positive um you have to have the integrity to be able to manage that um you know the the responsibility that that requires to manage that stuff um and usually we've um, damaged all that integrity you know that we had you know in our early stages of life by using so we don't have that integrity in early days and we don't we, we start to be unable to manage that that stuff of work and um, and um, and healthy relationships and managing money or, or looking after your kids if you've got kids or, or whatever. Um, so that, that causes a lot of stress, you know, and the stress ends up leading us back to using, you know. So in a way, it was kind of good that I didn't have any of that stuff to bring over with me, um, but I had to develop all that stuff in recovery, you know. So I had to yeah. go out and actually, you know, develop um, all the good stuff that gives you the hope, direction and purpose 
Um, but I, I do see people like for, come from using into recovery and bring that stuff in and they just introduce it a little bit at a time so that they have enough in, integrity to be able to manage it. And then that's a real positive too because they've got it automatically when they kind of need it and they can manage it. And that stuff brings them the hope, direction and purpose that fills you know, what we were trying to fill by using drugs or that feeling lost, hopeless and worthless. You know, So yeah. it really does mm. some, some great stuff um, having that stuff as well. Although like in saying, that you know like i did have some some good family members that helped me through it as well so um i didn't have you know i didn't lose like everything yeah 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 okay um so julian what what's it like now what has it changed your life and your work and your family um well it's changed my life as in i'm not looking over my shoulder from the law anymore yeah i'm not um i'm sleeping every night um for the last six months i've slept every night which is unbelievable. Yeah, amazing. Um, probably not for that long, though. It's only about four hours now. But, um, yeah, so it's uh, everyday life, the relationships with family, relationships with friends, and the relationships that I've developed are actually just awesome. And it's uh, real relationships now, not a drug-fueled relationship of what can they give me or what can I give them or what can I get out of them or how can I rot them. Yep. Yes, all that's gone. So, yeah, it's pretty good. It's actually real living life. Yeah, a bit more honesty. Definitely a lot more honesty. Yeah. So are you working? Uh, no, I'm not. No, okay. So I do recovery full-time. Okay, good. Um, Jimmy, what, um, what, have you, what have you done differently? Or what can you do now that you couldn't do before? Um... Well, like basically everything, like <laughs> life, like I, I suppose, like things like you know, like I always wanted to um to travel when I was using, um, but I never owned a passport, um, and so like when like I was a type of user, right, that like would go to I don't know, just say so you had to go fill out a form for something, whatever. And I'd go, offer oh, your passport. Just say so you're just going to forget your passport, right? Which I did want yeah. to do. Yeah. So you go fill out your form to get your passport and you, you go, it'd say name and you go, okay, name, you put your name, you go address, you go, okay, put your address. And then it asks for the postcode and you just, you'd go, nah, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know my postcode. It's too overwhelming to try and find my postcode out. You know, like, how do I even find my postcode? What is my postcode? Yeah. And then you just, and once your thoughts have done that to you, have just gone through that process of, of being overwhelmed, you end up just flicking the bit of paper away and walking away and just go, I'll do it another time. Yep. And so what happens is you never do anything. So I've, I mean, I was trapped, you know, and um, so I did always want to travel, um, but never got around to getting my passport because of those reasons, you know, and um, um, I suppose um, in recovery, the first, one of the first things I did was went and got a passport and um, started doing traveling. And um, so for someone that's um, never um, been out of Australia, but you know what, like I never really left the state. I never really left Footscray. You know, I grew up in that area in the Western suburbs. I nearly, I was so isolated in my using. I never really left the Western suburbs. I'd never been down Ligon Street, you know, which right. is, yeah. I don't really have, I don't really care for Ligon Street, but you know, it's a big street in our city. And like, if you live here for 20 years or 30 years, you would have thought that you'd been down there at least once, you know, but yeah. I hadn't, you know, I'd never passed Chapel Street, you know, like on that side of the, of, the, of town from the yeah. West. Um, I never went on the other side of the Maribyrnong River, which is really close to the West. You know, it yeah. shows you how isolated I was in my using. Um, so to, for someone that had been trapped in their suburb for that long to be able to um, um, go get their passport and then actually travel overseas is massive, you know. And yeah. when I first got it, I remember I first went to Sydney with the boys um, for a um, a big um, convention, and um, 
we're doing recovery and um and I and I took my passport to go to Sydney and I put it on the desk and I said, Look, I'm going to Sydney, here's my passport and the woman was like, You don't need that to go to Sydney. <laughs> it was quite funny. But you know, since then I've used it to go um to Thailand three times, to Vietnam twice, to Malaysia, to Bali twice, to um Cambodia. You know, so I've travelled to a lot of these um these Asian countries, Southeast Asian countries and um and done a lot of travelling that I can actually afford, you know, and um and so, yeah, so I kind of chased that dream, you know, and did that stuff that I wanted to do in recovery. And um, from then, you know, like I got that out of my system and I suppose um, my dreams kind of changed and I um, I um, started to make hip-hop. I got really excited about making hip-hop and stuff and made yeah. some music and a um, couple albums, you know, and um, um, that kind of shifted again, you know, after I did that stuff and did some performing and um, felt like that was like not out of my system. I still have a love for that, but I've just... I've got other stuff that's going on in my life as well. So then my dreams kind of changed into like getting a bit of an education and working in the in the field, you know, and helping other um, recovering addicts that come into rehabs and 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 detoxes or whatever, and um, and actually being able to like you know fund like being able to make a living out of it too. So yeah. I've I've done yeah. that for myself as well, and um, and I'm just heading in that direction at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. 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 Um, so Julian, how about yourself? What what things are you doing now that you couldn't do before? Um, the main one is staying straight. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sure. um, I, I couldn't go three hours without using some sort of drug. Um, so yeah, now I've been able to stay straight and been able to get through life's problems or life's issues without using on it like I would have before. A bit like Jimmy said about the passport. Um, if I went to do something like that, I'd have to be off my face. And if I got there and say, maybe not the postcode, but gets down a bit further about some personal questions about criminal records or something like that, I used to throw the bit of paper away and not worry about it myself. So, yeah. 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 Makes it hard, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So um, how's, how's your family taken to the, to the new you? Um, so I had no contact with my mum for four years. Um, but now our relationship's getting pretty strong we talk about three times a day now on the phone yeah um and yeah so she's she's wrapped at the old julian's back so she says um and yeah it's just the family life and and the interactions are just it's insane it's something that i'd never would have dreamed of that recovery would have brought yeah yeah i think it's the the aa saying beyond our wildest dreams definitely yeah yeah that's what recovery brings um so jimmy have you got sort of family is family a lot better for you yeah well um yeah they are see like my mum and my dad both used to use um and i live with them and they provided for me um um but the quality of the relationship has gotten a lot better since they've stopped using and i've stopped using as you can imagine you know um like out, like because because when you use drugs, like your main obsession, your main priority is to use, you know. Um, and I don't know a lot of people don't maybe not get this, but it comes before everything. Like it comes before your own needs, before anyone else's needs, before like your relationships with anybody, you know. Like your relationship with the drug is the number one, you know. And um, so that comes before the relationship of you know your son, if you've got a son, or your mother, or your father, or your yeah. brothers and your sisters. So it ends up 
causing major damage to those relationships because you're putting something else before that, you know. Um, to have that out of the out of the way, and to be able to um, focus on on these quality relationships when they require focusing on, um, is something that improves them dramatically. You know, and um, so so they have they have improved dramatically. You know, um, I, I can have a chat with them, like I go to my mum's and have a roast. You know, and um, and like we, I'll help her with the cooking or whatever and she'll make the roast and I'll get the cutlery and I'll, you know, I'll, with the cutlery draw, I'll push it in with my hips, you know what I mean? Like, and it's it's a bit of fun, you know, yeah. so I can make this into something that's um, not just a drainer on my life that it used to be. And so my, if my mum used to ask me over for dinner, I'd just be like, it's a drainer, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't really want to do that, but I'm just doing it to keep her happy. So yeah. like it's a, it's a bit of a difference between doing something to keep someone else happy that actually takes a lot from you to be able to go somewhere to to give something to, in order to get something or, or in this exchange of relationship that actually you know fuels your spirit and keeps that going and keeps you um you know full of that hope direction and purpose that stuff that keeps you clean you know yeah, yeah. okay thanks yeah. um so I guess the, you know coming to the end so Julian what would you say to somebody who's thinking of giving up about, you know, stopping using about what it's, whether it's worth it or not. What's the, what's your sort of, what would you say to someone who's, who's trying to try to get clean? Um, to give it a go. There's nothing to lose. You've obviously to get to that state where you want to give it up, you've lost everything or you've, or it's got too much for you. So just give it a go because things do get better. And, after uh, over a short amount of time, they get extremely better. So yeah, definitely just give it a go. There's nothing you can always go back to it if you don't like it. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess that's it. Yeah, I've been a witness to that as well. I've seen yeah. like Julian's always on the phone to people, helping people kind of who are struggling. You know, because um, he is in a bit of early days, so his his connections and his friends are people who are also similar. And he's like managed to stay clean through it, and a lot of people around him have dropped off. And I've seen him on his phone, always going out to meet him and help him, or help him get back into recovery or into a rehab. So, yeah, I've, I've, it's been a, an honour to witness that as well. Yeah, that's yeah. it is really good seeing people get into a program and and start becoming the person, a, a person again instead yeah. of just a, a shell. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really fantastic. So, what's what's your experience then, uh, Julian, about helping about the people you've helped and seen start to go through the recovery process? Um, to help people is is actually, um, I think it says in the book somewhere to uh, have what we've got, we have to give back. Yep. And to help somebody is, I think that's how I'm staying straight. Um, there's obviously there's been a couple of temptations on my own behalf, but I haven't followed it through. Um, and just to get somebody who's running rough and get him to a meeting or or speak to him on the phone or whatever or catch up with him for a coffee even, it's it's good to see because you know, they know that there's people out there that care about them, and to get that connection, it's insane. It's I never really had real connection before in my life. It was always just a, a connection of probably how I can get something out of somebody or they can get something out of me. So to have real connections with no, um, what's the word, like um, nobody wants anything from you, it's, yeah, yeah it's awesome. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, well, we're pretty much coming to the end of the show. So, Jimmy, would you like to say anything before we sign out? No, um, just it's been a pleasure coming and uh, meeting you. And um, and playing some music and um, 
and just having this experience is is enough yeah Yeah, thank you for having me here as well that's okay it's a pleasure okay well listen um if you've got a problem with drugs of any kind uh you can call narcotics anonymous uh their helpline on one three hundred six five two eight two oh or mobile number 0488 811 247, or you can go online at na.org.au. Okay, so that's really all we've got time for today, so thanks for listening to Living Free, um, and thanks again to Jimmy and Julian for sharing their recovery experiences. Uh, so see you all next week, uh, when we'll be talking with some guests from Al-Anon family groups who will share their experience of coping with someone else's alcoholism and how Al-Anon has helped them. And to take us out, we've got a song called Ella by Michael Speeby. It's no surprise to see